Hello to all of my friends at Survivor.com. It's me, Mario. <laughs> you guys, number one. Hey Survivor listeners, it's Eleni here and I'm very excited to announce that I've got an awesome interview coming right up for you all. I got the chance to interview Lisey Kane who works at League of Geeks and is also one of the co-founders of Girl Geek Academy and we had an amazing chat about all things games, how to get into gaming development as well as looking at women in the STEM fields and how we can be encouraging women to get into these fields and the work that is already being done. So check it out and enjoy. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Very excited to talk about all things games, particularly women in games. But just to start off with, you know, for the listeners, do you mind telling me a bit about yourself, what you do in the games industry, and just introduce yourself? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Lisey Kane, and currently I'm a production director at a local Melbourne indie studio called League of Geeks. And I also co-founded a company called Girl Geek Academy. And we're an organization for for good uh, startup that are aiming to try and get more women and girls and non-binary folk into STEM. So all things STEM, so not just games. Obviously, with my experience, I look after a lot of the the games-related content there. Uh, So I wear two hats, mainly in the industry, and also obviously an avid avid gamer myself, love playing games, um, went in my spare time. But generally speaking, a lot of, you know, managing and project management and working with an amazing team that we have at League of Geeks. So that's that's my main day job is wrangling those folks. Um, But when I do get spare time, working with Girl Geek as well. Yeah, lovely. And you touched on what you do, which is something I really want to talk about a bit more later because you do some amazing work. Uh, But I always love to ask, I think particularly with women, it's always interesting to find out how they even got into games. I know for me personally, I credit most of it to my older brother, you know, stealing the PlayStation 1 when he wasn't playing, you know, playing whatever I could when he wasn't looking. Uh, so I'd love to hear yes. what was your experience getting into getting into video games. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> the PlayStation 1, an iconic, iconic console. It's such a good one. Uh, so for, for, for gaming itself, I, I have been playing since I was very, very young, um, we always had, my parents were really, they ran their own business. So they were really into technology and they needed computers, obviously, back in the day to, to start doing very, very basic invoicing. It was a Honeywell laptop that we had, like a really old school orange and black Honeywell laptop. And I would just tinker because I'd go to my parents' shop after work and they had two games on there. They had Commander Keen on there and I'd play that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then PlayStation 1 was definitely one of the best consoles that I also had. Um, my dad got it for the family and it was, yeah, me and my little sister, we just played after school and then eventually we got a computer and then things like Age of Empires and The Sims. And, you know, it really, it's really funny thinking about games back then versus now. Like we only ever had like one or two games to play and we we're totally happy with that. And now my Steam my Steam playlist is just like out of control. But, you know, that was really what got me into playing games of all always played games since I was a little kid but getting into the actual industry itself that was that was something that took a while like I had no idea even though ironically in Brisbane where I'm from at the time there was heaps of game developers working in Brisbane I had absolutely no idea I was so blind to it because I just didn't understand that that was an industry that I could work in so I actually didn't get into game development until I 
flunked out of two uni courses. Well, I didn't flunk out. I just didn't enjoy them. <laughs> so I did, I started a film and TV degree and I thought that was, cause I'm, I've always been very creative. So I thought that's, that's it for me. And I just didn't, I didn't really vibe with it. So I dropped out um, and I'd done a, like a TAFE course as well in business. And that really didn't vibe with me either. And third time round, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. I need to figure out what, what's exciting to me. Otherwise I'm just going to work at a bank for the rest of my life, which is also obviously fine, but I really wanted to find something that I would enjoy and love and want to spend, you know, 40 hours a week doing. And in Brisbane at QUT, the university I ended up going to, they had a game development degree. And I was like, that that moment, those little moments that you have, I saw, I read the description. I was like, what? What? It, no one was telling me people could do this. So I just, that was it. From that day, I was like, okay, I'm in, that's, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I, you know, enrolled, did that, had lots of great opportunities through QUT. And then that's, the rest is history, as they say. That was the moment it took, you know, 20, 23, 24 years to realize I could even work in the industry. And that's obviously why I do what I do now, <laughs> because I think about if I'd known when I was 15 or 14, what, a, what my career would look like now. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the abridged version of my failures and excitement, exciting times to get into the games industry. <laughs> no, but I, I really love that. Cause I think it's, it's one of those careers. I think there's a really big misconception that it's something that you can't really turn into a full-time mm. career or there's also that misconception mm-hmm. of like, well, it's not even a real job. So I really love you telling that story and yeah. that, you know, it, it's, it is a journey to really get there. And I think, you know, for me wanting to get into games journalism, it's also that thing of realizing yes, that yeah. well, it is a real job. It is a real career. It's a booming industry. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a really exciting mm-hmm. time to get into the games industry. Um, and speaking of games industry, mm-hmm. you mentioned before League of Geeks um, and all the cool work you do there. I'd love for you to mm-hmm. sort of touch on the role you have there. Um, and with Armello in particular, I know that mm-hmm. that game sort of became really big and really boomed, you know, you, I read that you did a bit of work making sure that it, you know, was ready for like international release and stuff like that. So I'd love for you to yeah. touch on sort of the journey of working on that game. Yeah. So I, um, I, ironically, when I was at uni, I very quickly realized there's a few different tracks that you can go into with game development. And the track that spoke to me instantly was production. It was something like, I remember having a Facebook memory going, ah, oh, one day when I grow up, I'm going to be a producer at Rockstar Games. Like it, it spoke to me very instantly just because the way my brain works and in order to build a portfolio for a producer, it's really, really hard to do. It's something that's like, how do you prove that you're good at organizing things and all that kind of stuff. So I knew I would have to have a few different skills and games journalism was one that actually I started off doing in the very beginning because I knew I would have to have really good writing skills or communication skills. So I, I actually did a lot of interning as well when I was in university um, doing tech writing and all that kind of stuff because I really wanted to make sure that when I applied for jobs, I would be able to instantly say what I was good at and, sh- and actually have a portfolio. And if you Google my name, you can find me. And it's a lot of the thing with the industry is about, you know, your, what's your portfolio? What have you built? What have you done? And production, a lot of the time, you usually have to be in an industry or be in a company in order to be promoted to a producer. It's That's one track to get into it. Uh, but I was very fortunate at the time when I moved to Melbourne, I um, the team, the League of Geeks team, were just about to go into early access and they were working on um, bringing Armello to that, to Steam. And I had done, during my uni uh, days, I'd done an internship at a studio in Brisbane called Defiant Development, and I'd helped them with their Kickstarter launch. So that was a studio that uh, Leave Geeks are very, very close with. And 
basically because of that experience and also my project management experience, not in game. So I did a lot of project management in tech. I was able to like go, hey, these are all the skills I have. Please take a chance on me as an associate producer. And ironically, they were already going to reach out to me because, <laughs> because of my connection with the studio in Brisbane. So um, I applied for that job and got that job. So I started off being an associate producer and a community manager because of that writing skill set that I had. And really from there, during the Amale days, it was about figuring out, finding my feet. As an associate producer, you're not really you know, trusted to do the whole project. I was there to support the lead producer, which was Trent Custers at the time. And I was really just supporting him to make sure he shipped the game um, and for, for an international release. So a lot of every little thing that you could imagine with a game's release. And then from there, just realized that production was definitely what I wanted to do. And slowly but surely dropped off the community management side of things and handed that over to someone else and have continuously just figured out, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to focus on? What's what's good, what I'm good at? And working at a company like League of Geeks is so awesome because we are a small studio. We have the flexibility for me to go, I'm really good at this. I'm not great at this. I'm going to focus on this and we should hire for these skill sets. Or this is what I want my career to be. So let's focus on that. And I've been very lucky to have the support of the founders there to, to allow me to do that. So I've gone from, you know, associate producer, producer, lead producer, production director. So, but generally speaking, my day is just like herding cats. I think a lot of producers explain it that same way. It's just like, you can set your, your agenda for the day. I'm like, I'm going to get all these things done today. And by the end of the day, you've done other things, but it was not what you intended on doing. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's good for my brain. My brain is a very, my brain is a bag of cats. So <laughs> really much aligns with what I like doing and how I work. Perfect. Well, what more could you ask for? Exactly. And something I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts on is, when we think about women in games, I think typically the discussion's really tailored towards, you know, the bigger companies like, you know, those mm. companies in the US, in the UK. And I think that yep. there's not a lot of discussion about women in games in the Australian gaming development scene and the Australian gaming industry. Mm -hmm. So I'd really love to sort of hear your thoughts and experiences as a woman who's really done the circuit in the Australian gaming scene. Mm -hmm. I think um, we, we have a very unique ecosystem in that we have the industry in Australia is new and old in the same in the same vein. So we've we have a very established industry that um, unfortunately had a big collapse during the global financial crisis. So we did lose a lot of talent overseas. But what we ended up seeing was a bunch of more small studios like League of Geeks and a bunch of other studios form because of that that glut of um, that removal of everything. And the American games industry is obviously very entrenched in these, you know, 20 something years old studios. So Australia actually had a really unique opportunity to understand diversity in a very different way and have opportunities to talk about it in a very different way. Um, on top of that, we also have in Australia, we have government organizations that are super passionate about it as well. So Film Victoria, so I'm obviously based in Melbourne, uh, but Film Victoria and a bunch of other government organisations really have seen and understood that this needs to change and the discussion needs to be improved. So a lot of the work that I've done for the games industry has been alongside Film Victoria because they recognise that have a huge experience doing this stuff in, in film. So they do it obviously in the screen industry. They've, they've seen this very similar thing there as well. Like there's a big lack of you know, female directors in film. So it's not too dissimilar in games as well. So they've applied a lot of their learnings from that to here. So um, one, one example of that, I in my career, I you know needed to skill up really quickly with what I was doing at League of Geeks. And at that point in time, 
I didn't really have a lot of mentors in Australia for production. So I really knew I needed to skill up really quickly. And Film Victoria actually offered a fellowship program back in 2017 for women and non-binary folk to increase their, like basically fast track their careers because they really saw a gap of senior women and non-binary folk in the industry. But yeah, so we have a very unique position, but unfortunately the problem still stands. The problem still does stand that we do have, you know, we have on average higher, I think, than the global average. I think we're sitting around 18, 20% in comparison to like 15% of non-men in the industry, but we still have a long ways to go. Uh, So we, it's, I feel like we do have a bubble here in Australia that we have cared about ever since I've joined the industry. It's been a part of the conversation. Um, so ho- hopefully that means that we have that unique position to continue to, to see it work. And obviously now the conversations on the international scale, it has been for a long time, but it's obviously in the court systems now. So it's a very different story. <laughs> you can't really deny it anymore that it's, that it's happening. You know? So uh, we, it, we are, we definitely are in a very different situation here in Australia, but the challenges are still the same at the end of the day. You touch on sort of those challenges and how, yes, internationally, you know, you look at a company like Blizzard and everything mm-hmm. that's going on there. Um, and obviously that's quite a sensitive mm-hmm. topic that I don't particularly want to get into. But one thing from that that I've found really interesting is some of the language that's been used, um, mm-hmm. particularly things like, you know, this idea of the video game industry, particularly internationally being having this frat boy culture and this rock star mentality. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. without really touching on, obviously, sort of the more sensitive (laughs) matter of that I would like to hear sort of your thoughts I guess on looking at the gaming culture at large do you think that maybe there's a more male dominated aspect to the community and I guess what are some ways you think we can overcome that like for me personally I think that maybe the culture Mm -hmm. is something that really needs to be rebuilt from the ground up you know um as a young woman who always loved games I definitely felt that at times you know my male peers there was a you know, this mentality that, well, you're a girl, why are you playing games? So I guess even looking Mm -hmm. at younger women, what sorts of things do you think need to change in order to make the gaming space a more inclusive space for women? Like you said, non-binary minorities in general, what do you think really Mm -hmm. needs to be done? Mm -hmm. It's, it's really interesting. It was funny. There was this Twitter thread the other day about, I was photos of land parties back in like the early 2000s late 90s and I went and found some old photos of my land parties that I went to and I was the only woman in them and they're just disgusting <laughs> you know milk crates these tiny little tvs I don't even know how we played off them just like filthy apartments like it was yeah it was but it was really fun but yeah I was the only woman in the in the group that would would come and play games with my friends um but it's it's interesting the idea of how you know how game makers actually change the game culture as well the gaming the the general gaming culture so as a great example with Armello we we knew Armello is not you know a game would go like it's not a call of duty it's not a um it's not a csgo it's not a game that inherently has that frat boy culture it's a it's a cute turn-based strategy game with animals but you know, there is still that element of the entitled gamer, as we call them, quote unquote, entitled gamer, that we knew with a strategy game still comes with that that domain. Strategy games, I it's my preferred bread and butter of type of game, but you know, there's a there's that weird elitism when it comes to games. So it's a different type of frat boy. Um, but we knew that that was a culture we didn't want to enforce within our own 
community of players. So it was something that we set out at the beginning. We were like, okay, we have this policy of, as a community manager, you have full autonomy to just ban people, ban people from the community. If they are, you know, any of the isms, you know, racist, (laughs) any racism, sexism, all that kind of stuff, if you feel uncomfortable, ban them. And what we ended up seeing is a learned culture we saw our players self-censoring. So we are in the Australian time zone and most of our players in America. So the, the moment we knew we were doing the right thing is you'd wake up and be like, actually reported, you know, you see reported posts come through of other community members and you'd see community members jump in on our behalf and be like, actually the developers don't like that kind of, you know, you should watch your language. This is not, this is not the space for this. And it meant that we could create this really awesome space for these players and you know, Trent, the one of the founders at Log, he's like, I don't want those people playing our games. Like, I don't, I don't care about the money. I don't want that set, that subsection of the gamers playing our game. And it was really, we talk about it sometimes about like, you know, how could we, how do we make that space, the space that we all want to play games in? So that's our, our company and that's what we do. And we're seeing companies like Blizzard and we are seeing people start to do that. So that's one, you know, great way of, you know, inc- discouraging that behavior. On the flip side, we're also seeing, you know, amazing non, non-traditional game makers. So women, non-binary, all these different t- stories being told and these small, like cozy games coming out. And the reaction to those at the moment has been, what is this game? You know, why is Game Informer covering this game? I just want to learn about this other game. So we're, sl- we're seeing, you know, the gamers being confused about all these new types of games coming out. So I really think the more we flood the industry with all different types of like games and content, it's going to, there's going to be a shift. We already know that it isn't just men playing video games. We already know the statistic is actually 50-50. So there are, there's an audience out there. So the more we see, you know, more diverse games coming out, drowning out the, the minority voice of these quote unquote angry gamers. I think, you know, making sure that behavior and saying that behavior is not right. And, you know, it's easy to do that. But unfortunately, that's it's easy to say that, but it's it's such a societal thing, right? It's not going to be one small thing that does it. It's going to be a group of all these different things that I've just talked about. That's why it's so difficult. Like when we started Girl Geek, I was like, oh, we'll start this company and we'll be we'll be done in five years. Like we won't, the industry is going to change. Like I was like, I could already see, you know, people talk to me and they're like, oh yeah, we really care about this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I would love if we just, like we can just shut this company down because there's problem solved. Five, seven years on, the problem is maybe even worse. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Like it's just, it's not one thing that's ever going to fix this problem. It's, it's just, there's just so many, so many layers to it. And it's just, it's so hard. <laughs> But yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, and I'm really glad glad that you brought up um Girl Geek Academy because it's something I definitely want to touch on because I think it's amazing work that you do. And so I would really love to hear like what the inspiration behind wanting to be a co-founder for that was, and then also mm-hmm. I guess what do you think is the importance of having those safe spaces for women who do want to pursue, mm. you know, a career or their interests in technology? Because like as we've discussed, you know, there's sort of misconceptions about women who want to get into those types of fields. So I really love that it's a really safe space for women and so what was sort of the the inspiration Mm -hmm. between making sure that women had that safe space definitely so the company was actually founded because I moved to Melbourne and I had a friend that I'd met when I was living in Brisbane and I was like tell me what's the lowdown with the startups in here what's going on with tech I want to meet some I want to make some friends and she's like hey I'm running this hackathon it's the first time I've run a hackathon before come along and see see what it's about and 
I'd been studying games, so I, I knew what a hackathon was. I'd been working at a big bank in their tech section for a while before that. So I understood what a hackathon was. So I came along and just attended and everything. And it ended up being the what we found later to be the first all-women's hackathon run anywhere. And we had, I think, 100 people attend. And awesome, really, really fun, um, great weekend, very supportive. It was you know, not a traditional hackathon. We all went home at 9, 10 p.m., came back in at 8 9 p.m 9 a.m the next day like we didn't sleep there we didn't like stay up all night for four days all that kind of stuff we had really healthy food it was really really fun and after that Tammy kind of like handpicked a bunch of her friends and got us together and was like okay that was really successful like what would that look like if we keep doing that and and by the end of that hackathon she was like haha I just got us at ABN we're studying a company now <laughs> And it was really a response because Tammy had been in the in the tech uh, sec- sector for a while now, and she'd been going to these hackathons, and she'd been the only woman. She, you know, pizza, soft drinks. She's she's an amazing, amazing fitness person as well. And she's like, I don't want that. I want to run something cool. And you know, Tammy and I, and I think three of four, five of the co-founders of Girl Geek, we've all come up through like the punk or hardcore scene. So we've all come up through very DIY routes of like running gigs, putting on shows, like all that kind of stuff. So for us to put a hackathon on, for her to put a hackathon on was very natural. It was just like, okay, this is easy. You just find a couple of sponsors, find a venue, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was the same. I'd come from, you know, running gigs putting on festivals all that kind of stuff so I was like this is easy and then essentially that was really the precipice of starting Girl Geek is bringing some people together to become friends we became incredibly good friends with my co-founders like I never I didn't know any of them before I didn't meet Sarah who's now our CEO for like I think a year until she, she was in Brisbane still so she moved back down to Melbourne and we really just were responding to what the industry needed at the time So what we really do is every year we sit down and go, okay, what's happening in our various industries? What do we need to respond to? So we went from really running these bespoke one-off events um, to really starting to look at overall inspiration and motivation to try and get and retain more women into the industry. So, and that is from, you know, from the very beginning of that journey. So primary school all the way up to, you know, career changes and moving into CEO positions. So we've done so many different things as, as every year changes, but really what we want to do is figure out how to, you know, bolster the girl gangs and bolster all these different groups and communities. So people do feel confident to continue their careers or figure out if they want to join the industry. Um, so yeah, we've run so many different types of events. We've brought out a book series with Penguin, um we the the last big event obviously the last couple of years has been a bit hard to run events um but the last big initiative we ran was with film victoria and it was a career incubator for games and it was about similar to the what i went through but on a much bigger scale uh working with people in their early stages of their career and going okay what are the questions that they didn't answer in university what were the things and that was this was all based off what I knew was hard for me in my first few years in the industry like if I didn't have someone like Sarah to talk to um, you know great support in my own company I would have been so confused of like how do I do my tax you know how do I build a website to promote my own personal brand is Twitter the best place to do that like all this kind of stuff how do you build a good CV like all these questions that um, they don't really teach you in university and when you're in the industry no one really teaches that to people that, you know, you don't get told that by your boss or by, you know, the, the boardroom because, you know, you're just starting off, you're junior. And the only way you would ever know that is by that community of people, which is often, you know, 
men have their community. Men have a very, very tight-knit community within, within the games industry and tech sector broadly. They have their roller decks. And being a minority group, we don't have that. So building that up so they know who they can talk to, they know who they can ask. And it was awesome and really, really successful. We saw a lot of great success out of it. You know, a lot of folks going and getting... Uh, film vic grants to start games companies we saw promotions we saw pay rises um the pay rise one's always great because it's like how do you ask for a pay rise i don't know when should you ask for a pay rise and you know we talked about those things that are kind of awkward in, in companies and some companies are like oh don't ask about that don't talk to me about that especially being an underrepresented person you know you might get you know turned away or like being like just just wait your turn or just you know all that kind of stuff all those languages so it was, it's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really wild journey. We're still figuring out how to continue on right now because a lot of our, a lot of our strength has been around physical communities and being, being together. And it's something that I'm really nervous about because I haven't had that for a long time. And um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's Girl Geek. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as I said, it's such amazing work that you guys do. And it's really lovely to see a community like that, particularly in Australia, I think it's really lovely. It makes me really happy. Um, and yeah, what do you what do you think? What do you think's next for you guys, or even you personally? You know, what are you hoping to achieve in your personal career, or even with Girl Geek in the next coming mm-hmm. years? What sort of you know the the trajectory ahead for you? You know what? It's so funny. It's a really hard question now. It's it's everything is so up in the air. I'm. I'm constantly trying to think about what what we can do to support folks because the problem that I'm facing right now, and I'm sure you can understand this, I'm exhausted. I'm so exhausted. I'm exhausted. I support being in my role. A lot of my job is supporting the mental health and the well-being of my team at my day-to-day job and dealing with the fact that we're all working remotely trying to create a creative product. It's incredibly difficult. And I, at the end of the day, I don't have the energy. I don't have any more energy to give and it really really upsets me because I'm I just like obviously I want to continue to help people and support people but I it's the classic you know when you're on an airplane they say put your mask on before you before you mask up others I really we've been doing a lot of self-care within the girl geek community at the moment making sure that we're okay because we haven't really been it's been really really tough time We've got one of our co-founders she's been in America so she lives in the states so usually we would actually connect in person once a year to actually meet up and strategize and all that stuff and obviously we haven't been able to do that in years um we've had another co-founder our ceo move between brisbane and melbourne and brisbane and melbourne because of lockdowns and everything and it's just so hard so i honestly for girl geek i honestly don't know and it's we've been doing small projects so we've been working with um sunsilk doing a program with them and we've done a program with microsoft so we have been taking on small initiatives when we can but it's just honestly been a kind of we we're just waiting to see what's what's happening and also what the aftermath of all of this has been for the industry because i i have my concerns that you know being going work from home and with companies having these you know the games industry is booming in regards to players but it's really really hard to run studios from home and it's really really scary to form companies from home so and unfortunately as well underrepresented folks especially women are often the first to become primary caregivers so with you know childcare is closing a lot of the time schools closing I'm really concerned that the aftermath that we're going to have to quote unquote help clean up with with the rest of the community is that we'll see a lot of folks leave the industry because it's not safe right now. And 
the games industry is tumultuous at the best of times, but when you're, you know, a hit driven, hit driven industry and you're all working from home and you got to look after kids and all that stuff, I just, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see a downtrend of um, people leaving the industry and the downtrend of underrepresented folks in the industry because of everything that's going on right now. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, <laughs> uh, but as for League of Geeks on the flip side, while it's really, really hard, <laughs> we're doing great in regards to the project. So it's like, it is one of those things that's interesting because we are an established studio. We're working on new projects. It's really, really exciting, but it's it's also just generally exhausting and difficult <laughs> and we're continuing to be you know do our do our best to make sure we're building a diverse team so we have around uh, 40% non-male developers in our studio uh, which is well and truly above the average but something that we continue to look at but it is something we're seeing even at League of Geeks people you know people are making different career changes there's a great article um, that was published recently about uh, Microsoft called The Great Resignation where companies like Microsoft they're interviewing their teams and I think they said 41% of their team were thinking about leaving in the next six months and, you know, Microsoft's an awesome company. Like a lot of folks would want to want to work there. Microsoft includes Xbox, includes various different organizations. And it's because the world has completely changed. And if you're at home working nine to five every single day, uh, it's really, really hard to find the joy in that at the moment. So a lot of people are changing industries rapidly or like finding different alternative ways of making income because it's just, it's just so hard. And I totally understand that. It's just like, it's, it's really, really hard to keep on, you know, making, making great games when, you know, we're stuck in this, we're stuck in this little rat cage of an apartment, <laughs> which I am at the moment. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I honestly, two years ago, I could have answered you and be like, we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And all these other initiatives, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm really, really not sure. Hopefully next year we'll be able to take stock and, and figure out what we can do next. But yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> it's a non-answer answer. <laughs> no, but like you said, things are constantly changing. You know, I know like in my own personal life, I've really given up with having future plans because I feel like every time I have a future plan, then something happens, particularly, you know, with Melbourne and lockdown and COVID it's something that, you know, it's always hard to really know what's going to happen. Um, but I guess the the flip side is it means that being in lockdown is a good time to play lots of video games. Uh, so before we wrap up, I'd sort of love to hear, have you been playing anything fun lately? Any good game recommendations you've got that you'd want to share? So yeah, I play a lot of Dota 2. That's, that's, that's what I mainly play. And if I have the energy, I'm, I'm actually, I've been playing Pokemon Unite, which is ironically just another mobile <laughs> Um, which is really fun. I've really been enjoying that. Uh, I, I want to check out, I want to check out Lake, which is the new game uh, about uh, your, you play a young woman as a post postal worker, like delivering mail. I think that sounds really nice in the, in this day and age. I think we need some cozy coziness. So I want to check out that. And I'm also going to replay, I think even today, a game called Wilmot's Warehouse and the reason is I played it when it first came out. And it was really great. It's a game about, um, <laughs> I'm a producer. It's a game about organizing and you basically play, you're in a big warehouse and you have to organize these different cubes and deliver orders. And I played it when it first came out, but Limmy, uh, he's a Twitch streamer. One of my favorite, he's been my, I've been watching him every, almost every night because he's so funny. 
and he was playing Wilmot's again. I was like, oh, I really should replay that game. Uh, so that's that's the next game I want to go and re- do come back to because um, I never really I never really finished quote unquote finished it or got into it as much as I should have. But watching his streams playing, I'm like, yeah, I want to check that out. Um, I wonder what else new what other new games. Oh, the next game I'm very very excited about that's not coming out from next year, which I'm very excited about is Two Point uh, University massive massive fan of the two-point series all the games i play are either mobas or producer based like organizational series. i was i was about to say that i, I have a problem all these games are like packing <laughs> and delivering and organizing i know <laughs> i made this joke about two-point hospital because i was replaying it recently i was like love to log off from organizing people to log back on and organize more people <laughs> it's really but it's just how my brain works it's that just give me those little bits of serotonin it's <laughs> It's what I like. I crave. So, yeah, that's 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 it. That's what I'm playing. No, and I feel like, especially in like you know a time that we're living in, where everything's out of our control, sometimes it's nice to just have those little moments of control, yeah. even if it is in the form of a video game. I absolutely totally. respect that. Um, and just before we wrap up, like I said, thank you so much for speaking with me. It's been amazing, and you do so much great work. Is there anything you just want to add lastly before we wrap up for the day? League of Geeks are always hiring. <laughs> Please come work with us. <laughs> That's the only thing I, I will say. Leagueofgeeks.com slash careers. We're looking for engineers right now. I can tell you that there'll be some art rolls up soon. Um, but we are hiring again. Yeah, definitely. We took a little bit of a break during lockdown and everything, but we're back at it. So come work with us. <laughs> but it's an exciting time um it's exciting time at the moment in the games industry there's lots of lots of stuff going on and it's just it's just really hard I think the biggest thing is just everyone needs to take care of themselves and be nice be nice to each other be nice to your local game developers they're all doing it really tough we're all doing it tough yeah that's it (laughs) absolutely well yeah like I said thank you so much for chatting with me and yeah good luck for everything you do in the future thank you very much thanks for having me